This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. All right, guys. I got a poem for you. Empires are run by emperors, historically. Kingdoms have been run by kings. And countries, at least today, are run by... I'll let you work that one out, which is kind of actually where we're at, if we're being completely honest. My name is Sydney Watson. And my name is Elijah Schaefer. And today we got some credible stories uh, going on. I'm going to introduce my guests a little bit later that we finally have our first guest on the show. We're excited. But of course, the mandates for vaccines have come into effect. The tyrants, the petty, feckless tyrants are back at it again, giving us their soulless vibes from our favorite Jen Psaki, telling you, the American public, that you have to be vaccinated while at the same time saying that the illegals coming over the border don't have to be. We got a lot of madness coming up here live from Dallas, Texas. You are here. I want to introduce my guest today, a good friend of the show and a crazy anarchist. He's the author of the Anarchist Handbook and the New Right, author, podcaster, visionary, and somewhat of a troublemaker, Michael Malice. Welcome to being the first guest here of You Are Here, where we appreciate having you. I, I just love the idea that you have a live show, and for your first guest, you decide to bring on one of the internet's most notorious trolls. <laughs> and let's see if today is going to be an even bigger disaster for America than tomorrow will be. This is what we wanted in life, though. We, we thought, who best could piss a lot of people off in one sitting? Mm, Michael, great idea. Yeah, I know. It was like, it was basically, we had a few options here. And I thought, we've got to get the show canceled before it starts. We've got to <laughs> cancel. We've got to derank the show in the SEO and make sure that we just, we just throw it out on the line. People that aren't familiar with you, they don't understand you. How would you summarize? your your worldview um i'm basically ben shapiro with some wit <laughs> adequate i love that <laughs> i know i know i know and you're both i you know i people always think that i'm taller in person than they expect and i think for you people don't realize you're six four actually so no one actually realizes that he's one. making fun i'm actually four eleven, but that's okay <laughs> i mean i was gonna say if, if we stood next to each other it's remarkable to me that i never meet men that are taller than me it's yeah. insane yeah it's a gift. i know we so, could hold hands and it would make sense you know it's the chemistry here i'm feeling the sexual tension <laughs> and not between sydney and malice it's between brandon and malice brandon's over there just looking at him in his shiny suit saying damn if i had to be with an anarchist if i had to throw a molotov cocktail i'd throw it into that man's window i can tell you that <laughs> i'd never burn a suit that nice that's way too nice a suit well also i want to say this welcome to texas i know you just moved out of new york you are now here how are you liking it i am ecstatic to be a texan um uh if you go to malice i just recently launched some t-shirts about new york where people could buy for themselves um all my friends came here um i'm really excited to take part in Texas becoming its own country, which will hopefully happen <laughs> within the next few years. Uh, because I think what's been done to uh, the cities is being done by design, and it's unforgivable mm -hmm. and unacceptable. Why do you say by design? Well, because when you have enough data and you see things are going in a negative direction, and the intent is always to double down and to make it worse and to make justifications for the things that make the cities worse, 
uh, at a certain point, you have to say this can't be accidental. So and, and the people, I'm oh, just sorry, the people in charge, we like to think that they're dumb. Maybe some of them are. All, all of them. I don't believe that. Well, it's interesting you say this then. So then my question to you is you just moved to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So Austin, people would argue is, well, in my opinion, I don't know. If the you L.A. Like of Texas. The L.A. of Texas. Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a massive homeless problem there. I would say that the people in charge of, of Austin are yeah. not tremendously right wing in any capacity. So, I mean, like what made you pick Austin? Well, first of all, there's no right wing cities. So this is something conservatives often bring up, but it's kind of a, a fake comparison. There's So blue cities, uh, people who are uh, liberal, left of center, that correlates heavily with the openness metric, which means they're open to new ideas and that tends to bring culture. So you're going to have that when you have cities, number one. Number two is if I had my druthers, I wouldn't move to Austin. I would have moved to New York 10 years ago. Uh, that's not on the table. I've always I've lived in New York all my life. I don't know how to drive. I'm going to learn how to drive. Uh, I'm sure I know because I'm a guy, but I mean, legally, I don't know how to drive. Uh, and all my friends, uh, my huge crew moved to New York. So it's really kind of sad that, you know, we have a very tribal country and New York, America's not alone in that. And people see everything in terms of Republican versus Democrat. I don't believe in politics. I'm an anarchist, as I said. So for me, the things that are most important aren't the politics per se. It's Where's my support? Where are the people who treat me well? And I think this is a very leftist idea that you have to judge people by who they voted for, as opposed to if you're having trouble and you call that person up, are they going to be there for you? So to regard things in terms strictly of the politics of a place, I, I think is a non sequitur in many ways. Yeah, I know. So we're going to be talking about that. Obviously, I'm sure you heard about the absolute bullshit mandates that came in today for or yesterday, technically, from the Biden regime, saying that now they're going to use OSHA, the essentially just a... a non-democratically a voted arm of the government to therefore enforce non-democratic, non-constitutional mandates that anybody with over 100 employees has to either require the vaccine in individuals or they have to get weekly testing. This is interfering in the medical care of private citizens. And as an anarchist, I know nobody hates the government more than you. And right. I just, before we even jump into the video or anything, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Why, why would making it democratic make a difference in your opinion? My rights aren't up for discussion, let alone a vote. So if everyone or 70% of the country thinks I should do something that's of no moral relevance whatsoever. So I think that's kind of a non sequitur. Uh, second of all, I I'm glad that uh, Thomas Massey, congressman from Kentucky, I believe, you know, he was talking about this earlier and Biden's uh, mandate saying that, you know, this is grossly unconstitutional. When has that stopped anyone before? I mean, this <laughs> idea that the point. Constitution is going to be mm. some kind of bulwark, pun intended, uh, against government overreach, if there's such a thing, uh, is increasingly being obviously nonsensical. Yeah. And, you know, before we jump into this, I got to remind you guys that, um, you know, when you're online, when you're using uh, your computer, when you're using your phone, no matter what it is that you're using, there is a way for these Internet companies to steal your data, to take the data and to sell it to other people more than ever today. We are having problems with companies that hate you. And I want to remind you, these tech companies literally hate you and they want to strip your liberties, are mining your data and they're profiting off of you while they laugh in your face, which is why you need to one of the things I, I should say you need to use is a VPN. And a good VPN like expressvpn.com slash you are here. Now, ExpressVPN is not just a VPN that I promote, but it's one that I use. Why? Three reasons. Number one, because it doesn't slow down my devices. I've used cheap VPNs. They suck period. ExpressVPN is fast and it does not slow down my device. Number two, I use it because it scrambles my IP. It allows it to jump around. This is an identifying factor that is used specifically to track my information. It scrambles it and let's say allows me to uh, 
It allows me to basically look like I'm in like cobble or something. And so it, 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 it hides it. And number three, I use it particularly because incognito mode is not enough when you want to look at things. I'm not talking about like porn or different things like that. I mean, that is coming down to where you search things. Like why does a government, for instance, if you're talking to Michael Malice, what happens when a government goes tyrannical and you start, the government starts looking and people start going on you and saying, hey, let's look at the people who are looking into, I don't know, restoring their nation. Well, you need to hide that information. You need to hide it from the people who want to use it against you. Go to expressvpn.com. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N slash you are here to get three extra months free when you sign up. Anyway, go to expressvpn.com slash you are here. Take your security into your own hands. This is only one of the ways you can do so, but it is a quick and fast way for all your devices. Check it out today, expressvpn.com slash you are here. So we're going to jump uh, right into this. Um, I know a lot of you guys might not know this, but the same administration that was complaining time and time again about tyranny, about um dictatorship about Nazis uh, I mean I know you're you're Jewish and I know that we got through this whole point we we're talking about yesterday where they're even talking about Ben Shapiro you compared yourself to him I'm also feeble-minded so that's two reasons <laughs> I should be worried about Nazis yeah but, but I'm saying that that they are you know obviously this is an old uh, playbook but they have put Ben Shapiro on the pyramid towards white supremacy and Nazism they started adding Jews to that it's a very interesting uh, it's a very just interesting theory in general but of course Biden unleashes plans and we're gonna go to the video here uh, where Biden unveils the sweeping vax mandate. And I want you who are listening who might not have seen this or have seen this before to pay attention to the wording specifically. This is vital as we begin to calculate how we respond to a regime that does not respect our God-given rights. Brandon, can we uh, play that video? My job as president is to protect all Americans. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. Some of the biggest companies are already requiring this. United Airlines, Disney, Tyson's Food, and even Fox News. The bottom line, we're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. We're going to reduce the spread of COVID-19 by increasing the share of the workforce that is vaccinated in businesses all across America. God, this stuff like this just freaks me out. I don't know. Does this I'm, I'm assuming it freaks you boys out, too, because I watch this. And to me, to have a government inserting itself into private business, which has been doing since forever, let's be real, to watch this happening in real time. And to have them saying this sort of thing loudly and proudly freaks me out because I can't tell you how many business owners there are out there who are probably thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to subject my employees to this. I don't want to subject myself to this. And I don't want to open myself up to fines because I believe that that's the is what's what $15,000 a day or something like that. I think 14,000, I think. Yes. Some exorbitant per, number per, per violation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so so I God, I mean. You look at this, and this is sort of where we're heading as a, as a society, is it not? I mean, you look at Australia, they're already doing this sort of stuff. America's not not far behind. I mean, Michael, we watched that. What, we, what are your thoughts on this? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I've been, I was one of the first ones putting the idea of a national divorce into the zeitgeist. I brought yeah. for the Observer in 2016. And the thing I always say on Twitter is, I don't want to change your mind or argue with you, but I don't want to share a country with you any longer. So uh, this idea that a president or can just issue a decree and basically for some reason take 
thousands of dollars a day from a company uh, without going through the taxation system is just completely uh, arbitrary. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that ostensibly where we have an objective law uh, is designed to be against. But uh, I saw already today there's an enormous amount of pushback against this. Uh, I don't know that this is something that's actually going to go through. But one of the things I'm hopeful about is that conservatives have come to realize how much contempt corporate America has for them and their values, uh, that for a long time, conservatives have kind of been buddy-buddy with the Chamber of Commerce types, you know, the Mitt Romneys, uh, and now realizing that corporate America just regards you as cattle to be milked uh, and has absolutely no respect for uh, anyone as individuals. And, and when Biden rattled that off, he was being honest. He was saying, look, we're not doing anything that these giant corporate entities, uh, you know, who are just much more interested in power than any kind of respect for its employees are going forward. And as we all know, just because you're vaccinated does not at all mean you cannot spread COVID. So it would make sense if this was a measles situation, if you're like, all right, if you get vaccinated, this is going to be resolved in a month. But it's been over a year and a half. Uh, and as vaccines have increased, so has the spread of COVID. So it's a complete non sequitur and simply about getting people to submit to authority. You know what's funny, though, about mm -hmm. this is in that speech that Biden just gave, he said, we're going to protect vaccinated people from non-vaccinated people. Trudeau actually said something very similar to this uh, a couple weeks ago. And it, it, it was so funny to me when Trudeau said it because I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If you're vaccinated, does that not mean that you're sort of vaccinated against the virus, that you can't get to the virus, so to speak? Now, I know that we've talked about this on your show and you explained it in better detail, but it just that, that concept doesn't make any sense to me. But there's something else that I have a big issue, which is that my personal health information should absolutely be private. And it's absolutely not up to my employer to know the status of what I, my health issues, certain if I have diabetes or anything like that, that's not their concern. So to ha force me to kind of have to make that uh, um, available to my employer is very much a slippery slope. It's something that is, mm. I find, completely unconscionable. Uh, and thankfully, I'm self-employed, so I don't have to worry about that. But for everyone out there who is facing this decision, I really kind of sympathize with you because this just shows there's no line they won't cross when it comes to your personhood. Yeah, and it, and it actually strikes me as weird, too, because if you're tracking this, this is demented for a few reasons. Number one, they've completely thrown out people who have gotten COVID. When you talk about the decrease in antibodies, they always say, well, you need to get the vaccine, even if you've had it, because you need to increase your antibody load. So the natural reaction to this would be like, okay, let me get a blood test and let me look at the uh, amount and concentration of these antibodies in my blood, which are easily accessible and you can get to show you that I have immunity to this or at least perceived immunity, maybe not to the Mu variant or whatever new variant they're developing. But they've, they've taken this term, and this is really important that I think people don't realize the government does. The government is trying to intentionally take the people who were loyal to them, the, the ones who went and got vaccinated, and then make them think that the only reason why your loyalty is not being rewarded is because of this certain subpopulation yes. that is not submitting to what we want. And they're pitting the people against each other. They're creating this other group. And I don't think that it's about actually protecting people, because that's my point. If it was about protecting people, there would be exceptions. Exceptions for people with previous infection. There would be exceptions for even people that, that for, for all I know, I don't know, but just show that they have the antibody present, don't even have to prove they were infected, etc. This is about making people loyal. This is a great purge of our society and about trying to exclude people who do not fall in line with whatever the government is telling them today. And we know this because Pfizer is already developing a twice-daily pill I mean, we went from a two shots to three shots to in Israel, they're doing four shots. And then they're talking about maybe a twice daily pill. We went from one mask to two masks. To, I've even heard about quadruple masking. I mean, the amount of force that they're using to try to prove that you are loyal to the state is insane. And you can never, you can never 
please the state. The state will never be pleased until you have absolutely no liberty, no power, no rights, no property. And that's what people don't understand. When Dan Andrews, the premier of Victoria, says specifically in, in Australia that we need to protect our health system, when they start using words like the government system needs to be protected, not that the system is there to protect the people, now you start seeing the real undertones of what this is all about. This is about the government building itself up, retaining and pulling as much power as possible, and identifying, ostracizing, and if history repeats itself, eventually jailing, uh, persecuting in great, in, in, with great harm, or killing the people who will not comply, who will not submit. Yeah, there, there is this... For if you watch the corporate press, you are going to think that getting COVID is worse than having COVID because getting COVID is some kind of moral failing on your part. And that's why when people who aren't vaccinated get it, people are like, I hope you get it because this is kind of a punishment for the wrongdoing that you have suffered. And we heard a lot of fighting about fighting Hitler, literally Trump was literally Hitler for years, but they are creating a legal underclass who will not be allowed access to polite society unless you submit. One of the reasons I left New York, I was born in the Soviet Union, to go to a restaurant in New York now, I have to show a piece of paper. I'm not interested. I'm not doing that. And you're basically decentralizing authoritarianism by forcing every restaurant owner, every other gym owner to have to act as agents of the state and demand papers before someone can step in in order to sell them food. It's completely uh, uh, unconscionable. And I don't see where this ends in a very in a peaceful way. This is going to get uglier and uglier because I do think intentionally or not, some very evil people are getting some very useful information about how much a population will put up with. Yeah, I mean, don't they say that a uh, an empire will fall after 250 years? Is that not like the prevailing thing that a lot of people say on the Internet, I guess? Well, I mean, the, I know that sounds ridiculous no, to bring I, up, I mean, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, they, they, do, they do say that. But I mean, the, the whole point is, is that is, is that where we're at? I yeah, mean, we, I think it is. I mean, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, if you look at the United States, which has historically been a bastion of freedom. I mean, when I was living in Australia, you would look you would look at America and you'd be like, wow, they have all these things. They have all these rights. They have an actual bill of rights, which we don't have in Australia. They have all these things that they're able to do without the government interfering in their lives. And yet. I even think about this in my everyday life where I go to do innocuous things and I go, why is there so much bureaucratic nonsense in order to just get something simple achieved? So then it's funny when you look at the Biden administration or the regime, as you like to call them, and these things that they're doing and saying where even, in again, in the last couple of days, they said that all government workers, I believe that, I don't know if that was actually signed in, but I, I believe that Biden was saying that he's basically going to sign something into whatever, you know, government, that, um, that effectively says that you have to be vaccinated if you work for the government and by extension, if you work for an entity that is associated with the government you also have to be vaccinated but, you just get to a point where it's like well where how is this not the destruction of an empire but Sydney, the other thing that happened is he made an exception for postal workers yeah so what the was one, that about? Yeah, so the, the one USPS. group of the government where goes from house to house which would be in any kind of uh, plague the group most likely to spread a disease mm -hmm. they're the ones because they lean right you know that right that a lot of postal workers actually lean right wing today that's a huge thing we were, they were talking about recently with the idea of the postal ballots the left was talking about the fear uh, during the Trump election of, of postal workers that vote for Trump interfering and getting in the way of things I think they believe that the entire postal office that the entire network would get disrupted because people just wouldn't choose to, to, to get it and I think that they're realizing there are real ramifications for their choices but they're trying to offset those and delay those so that they are not able to be held accountable up front and that's why I want to say this we got to go to another video Brandon in a second which is 
I know you don't like government in general. I am, you are converting me. You accidentally converted. When you were on my show, Slightly Offensive, you unmistakably accidentally converted like 10,000 people yeah. Yeah, into, <laughs> into anarchism and you woke me up in a lot of ways, mm. which is fair. And I want, the, I want the, the, the viewers, the people who watch the show to realize this isn't a prideful game of let me convert everyone to my ideas. I'm always right. We need to keep our ears open and our eyes wide open as well and see that sometimes there's ideas that are foreign to us that can help change us and can make us and turn our minds for the better. And that's okay to change. You don't have to understand everything. And it's okay right now to admit nobody understands all of everything. And we have to start reaching out to circles outside of our sphere of influence to start understanding what other people think because the solutions are going to come when we start reaching to people that want to find them. And so we're going to go to this video here. Uh, where Biden talks about disrupting the actual state system of not working with governors, but getting them out of the way. Let's go ahead and let's play that, Brandon. And all school officials trying to do the right thing by our children. I'll always be on your side. Let me be blunt. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you and these life-saving actions. Right now, Local school officials are trying to keep children safe in a pandemic while their governor picks a fight with them and even threatens their salaries or their jobs. Talk about bullying in schools. <laughs> if they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Ah, dude, what? Who says that? That's who says what, that publicly, too? Don't you think it's great that the mask is dropping? They would much rather use powers of persuasion, which they have for decades, right? And get people to get along with what they're mm. doing. Now, in real time, people can call them out and they're bull. And I think it's very, very hopeful to have the federal government and governors just be at open war with each other because then there's no pretense that there's this air of legitimacy. Mm. It's just the two sides and you're free to choose which you like and you're actually having alternatives. So, and a good example of this was drug legalization. It is still illegal everywhere in America to use marijuana. It's a federal crime. It's dumb. But, but, what's that? This is dumb. No, but, but what happened is Colorado, I think, was first, and there are other states. They mm -hmm. legalized medical marijuana. They, in effect, challenged the federal government to do something about it. For a while, they did. They had raids. And then after a while, the federal government says, we're just not going to enforce this law. Yeah. So the question is, how much will uh, does the federal government have in order to effect change on state-by-state -state basis, and how much power do they have? And here's the thing. People might be for these things in theory, but when you see it in practice, when you see violence in practice, that uh, upsets and recoils a lot of people, mm -hmm. especially suburban moms. Uh, who Biden needs very much a constituent group. So this is what Martin Luther King demonstrated. He goes, mm -hmm. you want to be a racist? Okay, be racist. Now watch me and my uh, associates be attacked by dogs and be, sh be with fire hoses sh shot down with extreme amounts of water. And a lot of people in the South were like, wait a minute, I'm not for this. This is unconscionable. So brinksmanship is not something that I think is going to work to the Biden administration's benefit, especially because they're basically tied in both the House and the Senate. Wasn't America designed as a general rule anyway to actually stop the federal government from interfering in state affairs? Wasn't wasn't that the, the general idea? It, it's that they didn't. It was really hard to even get a strong centralized government together in the first place. Even with the colonies, there was problems. And I, I, I think and my historian historians can fact check me. But obviously, one thing that did bring centralized power initially would have been the invasion of the War of 1812 mm. with the British. Right. Where that we didn't have a strong military to actually fight them. We didn't have a good 
good central tax system, I believe, either. So there were problems that that, that invasion helped spawn people's minds of needing to link together. And then on top of that, obviously, contrary to people's belief, Lincoln, President Lincoln, who was actually not a very good guy, um, centralized power and sort of brought in this federalized system right. after the Civil War um, and sort of took away this this independence of states to really have that autonomy. And that's kind of where we are today. So we've kind of had a problem since the Civil War of this of this constant grabbing of power. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's actually true. You're, you're wrong because it starts earlier. The Constitution <laughs> was a grabbing of power. We mm -hmm. had the Articles of Confederation for go. nine years. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're told about this in school, but they kind of sweep it under the rug. And people, especially conservatives, like to pretend that the men of 1776 were the men of 1789. They were not what we we're told in school truthfully is that the art of a confederation were too weak and they were effective at stopping the federal government from enacting its edicts onto the states so then a bunch of men got together in philadelphia in secret swore themselves to secretly decided to overthrow the government through peaceful means and that's exactly what they did the constitution itself was a consolidation of power into what later became washington dc over what had been happening before oh shit you know it was it's funny because <laughs> when when we went to book you on oh on the show i was like i wonder what michael's feelings are about like ancient uh, Greece, when they used to just exile politicians that didn't do their job correctly. Well, and I feel like you would have strong feelings about this. I think exile is a compromise <laughs> I can get behind. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was thinking. I, I was like, you know what? I feel like this is the sort of person who'd be like, let's just send if them you to go Siberia. To, if you go to governorstogitmo.com, you can buy a t-shirt <laughs> that has my uh, preferred plan. <laughs> okay. I'm know. okay with that. I mean, Gitmo Siberia, same thing. Well, let's go. Full and, send. And you know, and I like I like the discussion on that of, of this power grab because what's interesting, though, is a lot of governors are saying they're going to resist this, right? But you brought this up earlier, and this is what pisses me off. Governors are saying, oh, well, we're not going to allow this in our in our state. But already I, I might be Delta and I can you can flag me on this audience. I have I'm looking at the comments here. So let me know if this if I have the airline wrong. But I believe one of the airlines or one of these major companies is going to still allow religious exemptions after this mandate. But they're going to give you unpaid leave if you have a religious exemption. Essentially, we're going to find a loophole that even if the government, even if your state will allow you to work, we're going to tell you that if you have a religious exemption to the vaccine, that's fine. We'll respect your religion. And we know we can't fire you for your religion because that would go against the laws of the land. But we don't have to pay you because it's unpaid leave because you want to take it's a religious holiday. Essentially, we're going to send you on your little pilgrimage. And so you're seeing like what you said, where these corporations and I, and I need to know this from you. These corporations hate us. Why do they hate us so much? I, I don't understand why corporate America hates liberty, hates freedom, when that supposedly is the system that, that brought people together to build this workforce to get into this country. I know you're going to say I'm wrong, but that's why I want to know. Like, where the hell did we go to this to get here? I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'm saying supposedly is a blue pill term. Supposedly is when you look at the people on the screens and the people in the newspapers and assume that what they're saying is based on fact or has value. Um, here's the other thing. Let's, let's look at the airlines because that's, that's a good issue. Let's suppose conservatives decide to have a boycott of one of these airlines who's being egregious. I know American Airlines was one where there was a lot of upset with uh, conservatives in the past. Let's suppose it cost them a lot of business. What would happen? They'd get Mitch McConnell on the phone in five seconds. And then Mitch McConnell would pass a bill to give those airlines subsidies for the businesses they lost. The Republican Party is a great mechanism to make sure that conservative market forces have no ability to affect change on a corporate level. So then what you're saying is that the boycott system. Are you going Kathy Newman on me? No, 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 no. no. I'm just I'm actually I'm curious because uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting here like. So I guess my thing is that my comprehension of a lot of these topics, to be completely frank with you, is, is pretty benign. <laughs> it's not, you know, I. 
I don't have some wonderful understanding. So no, I'm 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 just um, curious to you know, do you think that the boycott system then doesn't work? It, it has very little efficacy when you have corporate America and Washington in bed with one another. Yeah. So a lot of what we're seeing, and as Biden just pointed out, and we've seen over the last few years, what the government itself can't do, corporate America is more than happy to implement. We've seen uh, uh, company after company forcing people to take uh, um, critical race theory classes and sensitivity training and things like this. So corporate America has done a far better job of implementing like Maoism than the Chinese Communist Party ever dreamed of doing in America. Because yeah, you like have that. these struggle sessions, right, mm. which is straight out of Maoism, where people get together and they confess their sins and they self-flagellate. It's a very disturbing thing, and I, I'm very glad that people are realizing, like Elijah said, how much absolute contempt there is from corporate America. And the reason why is, if you have a dog, and the dog keeps barking and peeing everywhere and not being obedient, at a certain point you're going to get irritated at the dog. And that's exactly how they view the audience, because the audience is there to be their pets, and that's the deal, right? Like, I'm obedient. I'll do what you want. You give me a job. I don't have to think for myself. That was supposed to be the deal. And now that you're kind of getting upset, they're kind of getting upset in return because you don't know your place any longer. Yeah. And, you know, before we go any further, I got to let you know something important. We do care about you guys here. We want you to be protected. Obviously, corporate America does not look out for you. And it's important to know that the U.S. is changing rapidly. Our value systems are under attack and protecting your family is what matters most. And I got to talk to you about an amazing, an amazing group of, uh, called Safety Net, which is an amazing way for you to take your health into your own hands. This is a company that believes what we believe, that stands for what we stand for. And we realize that health insurance companies don't really provide you the coverage that they promise. A lot of us will end up, let's say, in an in an emergency room with a $10,000 bill simply because our insurance doesn't cover that or you can't afford insurance. It's rigged against you. So these amazing people at safetynet.club came together and they decided that they would create a community that you can join so you can pick and choose and build plans that actually protect you and your family. For instance, for about $15 a month, you can get accident coverage, which means if you get into some sort of an emergency situation, you have this emergency bill, they actually do cover it. Even if you have insurance, you're going to find out that they'll cover those gaps in your insurance as well. It's really amazing. It helps someone like me who does stupid stuff around the country and <laughs> ends up at gunpoint. I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of you have been at gunpoint, but maybe you work different jobs uh, where you put yourself at risk. I know you do. Even just driving is a huge risk, um, which is really cool. If you go to safetynet.club, that's S-A-F-E-T-Y-N-E-T.club right now and sign up today, you can look at all of their options, but you already get $10,000 AD&D insurance, which essentially if you die, $10,000 gets sent to your beneficiaries, like life insurance policy to cover costs of your funeral or whatever. But also if you don't die and you just you know get maimed or something bad happens to you, which is a real possibility, then they give you $10,000 before your disability comes in, before anything comes in to help you cover costs up front as well. So go to safetynet.club right now. That's S-A-F-E-T-Y-N-E-T.club to get your $10,000 AD&D insurance policy at no cost when you join, but also to see the other options they have as well. Check it out today. Um, so I want to talk about the hypocrisy, though, about the no accountability, because you said that the, the, the companies don't have accountability because the government allows them to get away with their shenanigans. And, and I say this because, so we can't hold these private companies then accountable because the government gets their back. But let's talk about how we hold the government accountable. We have a video here um, of Biden in 2020 where he literally says, I don't think that the vax should be mandatory. Or can be. Yeah, yeah. or can be. But I, I want to play this because we need to. I want people to remember this. If you're watching this, Biden said this with his own words. This wasn't sacky. This wasn't someone random. If you're speaking to a friend, to a family member, they might not know how the government works, but everyone knows who Biden is. So remember that Biden said this. Let's go ahead and let's cue that video and listen to this from his own mouth. Be mandatory? No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power 
Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the President of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing and when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. I think it's important to note, though, too, that it wasn't just Biden who said this. Pelosi said this earlier in the year where she said, we're not going to force people to get vaccinated. This is not just a Biden thing. This is the entire, you know, the, all the Democrats basically parroting this viewpoint that they're not going to force people to do things that they don't want to do. They're not going to force people to participate in the things that they want them to participate in. They're all saying this. But none of them are sticking to it. I mean, but really, what's new? Seriously, but, what's new about that? Uh, there's a great quote from H.L. Mencken, who was uh, one of the great wits of uh, the early 20th century. And he pointed out that the average man does not want to be free. He simply wants to be safe. So the deal for that average person is I'll be obedient. And in turn, you keep me safe. I don't have to worry about things. COVID has kind of uprooted that deal for them. It's uh, turned over the apple cart. So they are not in a position and there's no big bad villain. There's no orange man in the White House to portray as this kind of Hitler who's making you feel unsafe. COVID is making them feel unsafe. The corporate press is, of course, ginning it up as much as possible. So they have to, in order to maintain their semblance of authority, do whatever they can to say, we're doing what we can to keep you safe. Other, Because they can't say, this is a pandemic. We're powerless. It's going to take a certain amount of lives. A virus's nature is to mutate and try to thrive. So they are really up against it, uh, and they have to try whatever they can. And you're seeing this in Australia. New mm -hmm. Zealand's another example. There was yep. one case. They locked down the whole country. So at, the only way this is going to end is when the costs of, of this lockdown crisis outweigh the benefits for them. I just but think when, it ever but will when will yeah? But when this is the point though, because we just did our our episode last night. It was so funny about how about the new world order, yeah. and we were talking about how you know uh, obviously one of the politicians in Australia let it slip, and that they're you know the people who would allegedly be in the new world order um, are ensuring us that it doesn't exist because they're buying the ad space and paying the tech companies to uh, let us all know that the new world order for sure just does not exist, yeah. right? The concentration camps aren't real type of thing, and so it's funny because our video got fact checked actually even too, and they put up. As the fact check, this is so humiliating. They like fact checked our video to let us know that it is a conspiracy theory by using Wikipedia as their source for why it's a conspiracy theory. And of course, while Wikipedia is a great beginning source to find what people say, et cetera, Wikipedia is notoriously getting things wrong. And even in educational institutions, they say this is not a real uh, publication that you can use as a source. Sure. So when, when the government is so feckless, for instance, to say, we're not going to you know, mandate vaccines, and then they do, and nobody holds them accountable. When the tech companies are so reckless to say, you know, of course, follow education, we're following the scientists, we're following facts, but we're going to use Wikipedia as our main source. Like, they're basically contradicting themselves in everything that they do. And we sit here, and we just look at, at, our, at our phones, we look at the world around us, and I think that this is the problem, is that everybody feels helpless, because like if what you're saying, well, the companies will have no accountability, Biden will have no accountability, uh, nobody's going to be held accountable, people are saying, what, well, besides a revolution or something to that regard, what could be done to change the system? Like, I mean, do we have to literally burn it all down? People are sitting, I know people yes. that are, okay, go, uh, pop I also, off. I also want to point out that that term <laughs> conspiracy theory is a very interesting one, right? Because there was a conspiracy against to keep Harvey Weinstein's crimes private. There was a conspiracy <laughs> to keep Jeffrey Epstein's secret private, uh, and those were blown up. So it's an interesting technique that the corporate press uses to use that term as if inherently, if something is a conspiracy, therefore you don't have to bother thinking about it or you don't have to look into it any further. Um, to say that there are international elites 
who feel more loyalty toward one another than to the nations in which they reside or come from is something that I would think the vast majority, 90% of people, would regard as not only true but just obvious on its face. That is a conspiracy. That is all it takes. When you have powerful people who regard their interests as mutually beneficial and do it on, not in a public way and who use their power over weaker populations, that is a conspiracy. Uh, and to say that this doesn't exist is, is kind of absurd. So the term is used to kind of dismiss ideas that people don't want. And often there are ideas that are ridiculous, but to claim that elites don't work together to further their own interests at the expense of everyone else is a kind of, no one thinks this with a straight face. Just no, I mean, the more that we talk about this stuff, I feel like the more depressed I get. Why? Wow, you should be hopeful. No, but on a serious note, because I, I I, err on the side of pessimism as a general rule. Or maybe it's realism these days. I don't know. But I listen to this stuff and, I, and I'm and i actually, I think I feel like a spectator at this point listening to you to like, yeah, this is like tennis. Hell yeah. Get, keep but going, if, guys. If, <laughs> but if, we, <laughs> if we were losing, we wouldn't be able to have this discussion and we wouldn't even know what's going but on. Do you think we're winning though? Because yes, what is, how? In I'll, what capacity? I'll we owe nothing. We're winning because it's not that we're losing. It's that they started so far ahead. Don't you get it? They've been at this for over 100 years at the very least since Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. And if they had their druthers, we'd be oblivious to all of this. Before any of us were born, and I'm the oldest man. I'm reaching Glenn Beck age here. So total dinosaur. <laughs> 135, but, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. You had three <laughs> networks. And each of these networks was run by a hard left anchor who presented the news with an objective face. And when you were at home, you could choose between ABC, NBC, or CBS, each different flavors of the same leftist authoritarianism with a smile on its face. And you could believe you had a choice. Now there's infinite channels, including this one, who can be competitive overnight with networks like the, the with agencies like the New York Times or the Washington Post, which is failing badly. And that is a huge threat because if you do not have a monopoly on the conversation, your power is much, much weaker. And that's why you have to use authoritarian force. Yeah, but don't they yeah. do that anyway? I mean, like you have big tech companies that the fact that we can't say particular words even on this show because we, we run the risk of either being demonetized or having the channel deleted, et cetera. I mean, Elijah and I have been on YouTube for such a long time sure. that you you come into contact with such aggressive policing of your speech. And it starts at that point and it ends but, up with... But Sid, it's it's not... Your, it's aggressive policing at speech. People used to be arrested in this country. Are we not th- Are we not heading towards that point? I mean, I certainly know my homeland is like that. Oh, I mean, Australia's done. Uh, oh, forget it. No, no, you yeah, guys are done. I'm not uh, talking about Australia. I mean, <laughs> sorry, but but I feel like Australia at this point is a blueprint. When I left, I said to because I, I had a conversation with my family. I said I want to go to America, and I said I feel like Australia is heading towards Venezuela. What Venezuela is now? This this horrible. I don't even know what you can call it. This this horrible Dystopia, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they're it's, already it's, there. They're not heading there. They're though. not there. The, no, the, we're not quite. They're we're, they we're have food. Alcohol. Alcohol. We're and, at the precipice. Well, I didn't. I didn't say economic collapse because the thing is, they're a wealthy nation to be like. I know you so is Venezuela. Yes, yes. So Venezuela was one of the richest countries in in Central yes, South America. Yes, it was the richest. Because of resources, because of resources, though. But Australia's a little different with the markets. I'm just saying right now, also with the people there, what's going on? I'm saying. At, they are raiding gift packages. I'm reading this that if you are in certain apartment buildings, the police are going through your mail to make sure that you're meeting the quotas on what items you can have given to you. And if you have more than six bottles of beer, more than one 375 milliliter bottle of wine, they can take that from you. And they're confiscating alcohol beyond the limits of even the government emergency orders. So I'm saying I don't even think in Venezuela that necessarily they're going to your mail that you give someone and they're telling you you can't receive your mail necessarily. What I'm saying is that authority. Authoritarianism takes on different flavors sure. in different countries with different people. Also, 
Australians are much more, I would say, submissive and a little less sauce, like a little spicy than the Latinos a little no, bit, I, I would say. No, I totally disagree with that. I think Aussies burn slow. Aussies burn real slow, but when they're pissed, they are pissed. I love and when they get mad. Yeah, I do too. I, like a mad Australian is my favorite thing in the world. But right. but on a serious note, though, Australia is almost like a blueprint for, for what America could be. Here's why it's not. Because for a long time, uh, all of us heard from all of our Facebook friends, we should give up our guns, look at Australia. Australia gave up our guns, look at Australia, they're the model, we should follow suit. And now everyone who is even slightly in favor of gun rights looks at Australia and is going out and buying an entire arsenal. So what is happening in Australia right now has settled the gun issue in America permanently because people who are in favor of gun rights are no longer interested in having a conversation. They understand this is being done in bad faith. And instead of sitting down and trying to argue on social media, they're saying, oh, you have your opinion? You, some school shooting, therefore that affects me and my family? Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to head to the store, stock up on guns and ammo, and we're not going to talk about this any further. And the best answer to gun uh, control legislation isn't other legislation. It's gun proliferation. And that's exactly what's happening in America. And this is why I have so much more hope for America than I do for uh, uh, your prison See, colony. And that, this, is, this, is, but this is why <laughs> but this is why he's saying we're winning. And I and I have I have to tell you, because this is why I would say I would have to agree with you on some on some nodes here. The fact that that not only would I end up wanting to intentionally invite somebody with anarchist views on my show, but that I would like him <laughs> is showing you an interesting thing where they used to, like, like, like you would say, have us divided into groups. What we're doing now is when we're divided, we are weak. People who are in groups and divided are going, okay, my group sucks. And the conservative right absolutely has blown it. They, they're, they've been so busy trying to be Puritans and prove who's this or that. Even now they're, are you based or are you not based? It's like, bro, I want to win, I'm not based. lose. Well, that's because no, you're I not know. based. No, no, I want to win and not lose. No, <laughs> I want to win, I, I I wanna win and not lose. He's cringe, yeah. He's not, yeah, yeah he's totally right. cringe. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Here we go. But Elijah, I, I meant, what I meant is that is that is that they're so worried about these these still these categories of like, are you this or are you that? Here's the deal. I want to find a solution and I want to win and I want to take yes. I want to take this shit back fast. And so you know what? I will work with someone who's a little cringy or something if they're gonna win and they're gonna do what it takes. Because just because you're based and you have all the right views and you say all the right things doesn't mean that you have the balls to actually go put your life on the line and do something. I'm not saying that I'm the ultimate person to be around, but like when I saw the riots going out, when I saw these things, I was not a credentialed reporter. I didn't have a license. I had nothing. And I said, you know what? Even my own network was like, no, we don't want to send you those things because you know we don't have you don't have wartime reporting insurance and all this stuff. And I said, look, I don't care. I'm going. Bye later. And I just did what I was not supposed to do, and you know, and actually did get damaged from things. And I did, you know, I, I luckily they say go break a leg. All that I got damaged long term was breaking a leg and also maybe and a little face. PTSD. Yeah, and a little bit of nerve damage and paralysis and things, but that doesn't really matter. I didn't give my life. Right? I didn't I didn't I wasn't like a troop in Kabul that actually died and was blown up. So it's not like heroic or anything. But the point was is I was sick of watching the lies and I'm like I'm going to go do something that I don't know what to do and I'm going to try something new. And I'm back at that point again. Because ultimately when I look back, Michael, this is what pisses me off. When I look back and I thought during the middle of all of this, I'm like I'm doing good work. We're you know a lot of people are doing good work. We're getting this truth out there I look back and I look at the way that they've written history and I go they basically undid all of our work the, the mayors are going you know even if DC Bowser's like there was no riot <laughs> in our city there, there just didn't happen and I'm going oh like basically I felt helpless for a second and I'm back at the point going okay going out and filming this stuff capturing this stuff people know what's happening yep. now what the hell do we do where do we go from here I'm sitting in a room with an anarchist from Brooklyn looking from to him from Austin from Austin <laughs> from so much better from Austin saying I want to work with you. I got to figure this out. I don't know what to do. 
Where so what do we do? One of the things that you personally saw is something I've been uh, another anarchist argued for a long time is the conservative slogan, which is a complete lie that if you haven't done anything wrong, you have nothing to fear from the police. Right? You hear mm -hmm. this all the time about when people on the left historically have argued for like Miranda rights and more protections for the accused. Like you just let them in your house. You haven't done anything wrong. You have nothing to fear from the police. Now doing something wrong is selling a meal to another person or giving them a massage or a haircut. And you yourself saw what happened uh, to you personally as a result of this. So I think a next good step is having conservatives realize that you do not back the blue. The blue does not back you. That every that without the police, whatever Nancy Pelosi and Governor Cuomo and Governor Whitmer want is just peace, like letters to Santa without men and women in badges willing to impose those unlawful edicts onto the rest of us. And I think turning uh, conservatives against the police and against corporate America, which is happening at a very quick rate, is something that's going to be very helpful for the future because I think we're going to see, all, now that the hard left has brought defund the police into the mainstream, there's going to be right-wing alternatives, which is to have things like more of an armed population and less of a centralized police force and, and, and options like that. I just want to come back to the Australia thing real quick sure. because uh, you've you've like pressed a nerve. I want to just disagree with you for a second here because uh, firstly, I think the thing about the guns is a bit of a false equivalence, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, but the other thing too is that well, can you explain how I'm interested so, in hearing? So when when we talk about guns in Australia, the conversation is completely different. It was never a thing when you have a, a country that was not founded through uh, effectively, you know, a, a civil war. Sure. Uh, so Australia was not founded that way in any capacity. And I know people are probably bored with this conversation in the Australian sense. I know people have been badgered with it, but I think that the, I guess the main point that I want to make here, and I hear what you're saying, please don't misunderstand me. I totally hear what you're saying, but I think the thing is that people look at countries like Australia, Venezuela, and they go, okay, cool, but it makes them complacent. And I think that's the thing is like, I, again, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that people look at and they go, that's not happening in my country. So it's fine. And in fact, they do nothing as a result. Oh, I, I don't think people are looking at the footage from Australia and saying they're fine. I think they're looking at saying they're both for the grace of God. But yeah, but they do nothing in, 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 in terms of pushing forward their own views and ideas that might better their own country and safeguard them against the things that might happen in my home country. And again, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you definitely touched a nerve. No, I, I, I hear what you're <laughs> saying. I do think more people need to be more active and push back and, and figure out effective ways to push back. Mm -hmm. My point about the Australia thing, and maybe this is something you weren't privy to, is Americans are beaten over the head with the idea that Australia is a healthy model for uh, oh, it's terrible for taking out gun they, control. They, yeah. they, they emulate it in this most bizarre yeah. way. But it's also because, again, people have no comprehension of the gun issue in Australia, which was we never had a gun problem to begin with. The night the set the sorry the 1996 um, recall of guns where people had to turn their guns in. 30 percent of them were turned in. The majority of people did not turn them in, and the guns that were turned in weren't the ones that were actually even used in mass shootings in the first place. And even now we have this a uh, similar or comparable amount of mass shootings in the country that we did prior to 1996. So it's like... But they don't care about facts. This is just... They're, they're also yeah. uh, fetishized... Uh, part of leftism is fetishizing the other. Yeah. So it's like if it... It's like if it's... Oh, it's Belgian chocolate. It's French chocolate. It's mm -hmm. always going to be intrinsically better than American chocolate in their mindset. And this is also why they also invoke Sweden. Uh, most of these people who talk about how great Sweden is and how we should have democratic socialism in like Sweden mm -hmm. is unaware of how free market the Sweden economy is in many ways and also couldn't find Sweden on a map. This is true. I mean, Sweden's even one of the only countries now Denmark actually has joined them yes. in lifting all the COVID restrictions. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, I know. Switzerland, I, I believe uh, one of the viewers of, of my podcast was talking to me about how they're even starting to implement some sort of like a vaccine passport thing. And it's interesting, though, because Switzerland, I wouldn't have expected to join in on this because that's where the 
New World Order, banks, and that's where everything is, is centralized. I and mean, it's one of several places around the world. Mm -hmm. Switzerland didn't accidentally not get too involved in the world wars. I mean, yeah. this is where the funds are coming from that are creating this. These are the bankers, right? So it's really interesting, though, when you look at, at what's going on, that's where I get confused because things aren't following what I would expect. And, and I'm seeing the world... Nothing makes sense, and I'm wondering if that's by design. Like, is it not? Is it supposed to be confusing? Because, or am I stupid? Like, or is it both? I, I don't think it's either. I think what's happening is you have a pandemic which is out of, which operates organically into its own rules and laws, and you can't just make it illegal, and you can't basically say, you know, it's going to vanish. So when you have a situation that is out of the control of elites, whose goal is to both maintain control and to demonstrate the appearance of being in control, which neither which they have over this something which is very life-threatening has killed many people worldwide. That's why things don't make sense because they're trying to play catch up on something that they don't have the ability to do. Right. And I'm going to tell you guys, in the beginning of the show, I told you guys, that you guys got to take your privacy into control and you got to have a VPN. But I also got to tell you about something amazing. This is called Startmail. Now, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. And I really want you to stick with me on this because unlike Hillary, who had people to burn all of her servers and to delete her emails, a lot of you guys don't realize that even some other uh, email services have been compromised. But you need to keep a place where you can actually uh, hide your information and make sure that when you delete your emails, they're genuinely deleted permanently and are not on the servers of the big tech companies with a company that, that believes what you believe about privacy. And that's why I use Startmail. It makes me feel safe again. And honestly, it keeps my email private, period. It can be, it's encrypted, which means that even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, when you delete it, it's gone forever. And this is not an Amazon thing. You're not going to get your, your information stolen or anything like that. It means that they cannot take you offline or your email like Parler did or whatever. It is seamless too and you can transfer all your current email data to them. There's no starting from scratch or anything like that and they're backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases and it protects you from phishing attacks or anything like that as well. So there's just a normal way. You say, why do I need to do this? Believe me, we're talking about an era where you can get in trouble for, let's say, telling your neighbor in some countries that you're going to give them an extra beer. We're in a place where you can tell someone you're going to protest. You can get arrested. And now you don't even know what the hell people are spying on you on. So this is important, the next step in your security. Go to startmail.com slash you are here. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash you are here. That's S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash you are here to protect and encrypt your data. Okay, let's 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 jump into this. And I gotta say this. Wait, can I make one yeah. point based on what you just said? Tomorrow is the anniversary of September 11th, which as a former New Yorker is something that obviously resonates very heavily with me. I would want to point out the Patriot Act, the expansion of the NSA Department of Homeland Security that was passed by a Republican president and a Republican Congress. So the idea that the Republican Party cares about your privacy and keeping you safe uh, if you're an innocent citizen who's done anything wrong is completely fallacious. Is it McCarthy... Wasn't he living in an apartment too, um, that is owned by one of the like the big tech guys? I believe is, who wasn't McCarthy? Kevin the, McCarthy? Yeah, is I, he that true? I believe so. I, I would be someone, surprised. Some, someone factored me, but he was staying. He's 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 in the in the pockets uh, or there in his pockets, I yeah. should say. And so it's interesting that you see that's why we have no action on the censorship because these guys. This is a this is something off record. I want to say because you know this. You lived in D.C. I did live in D.C. Okay, you lived in D.C. Biden's campaign manager was my landlord. It was stressful. no. I meant off record, meaning I'm not gonna say who who oh, told okay, me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give the details. Mm -hmm. Somebody very prominent I was speaking to who's very well connected that everybody would know in D.C. I was just there and we were having a, a discussion. And I was telling him about how, you know, I am just hate being in the, in, in the city. I hate being around the place. I hate everybody. Everything about it's disgusting. Mordor. 
Yeah. So I go in there and he goes, you know what, man? He, I said, everybody's cringe and they're always trying to steal stuff, your information and blackmail you. And he goes, it's true. And he was going like, I walked up, I go, I walked up to, I think it was, um, which in, I forget which institute it was, but uh, I walked up to one of the conservative institutes that said on the window for liberty and freedom. And then it had a sign that said, make sure you have your mask before you enter our, our offices. And I go, bro, I'm so tired of this. And he goes, you know, man, people don't realize that the the elites in D.C. that are Republicans, that are so-called conservatives, they're all for BLM. They're all. Yes. And this guy's very well connected. And he goes, they're all they, they mock their own constituents. They think these people are dumb as well. They think they're better than people. And he goes, it's just so freaking cringe that these people think that they're electing individuals that like them, that represent them. No matter what party they are, they're all for the tech oligarchs. They're for the exact same bullshit, the same social agendas. And that's why nothing gets done because they all talk on the outside and in the inside, they don't even side with the people that voted them in. The villain of my book, The New Right, which is a history of this kind of alternative right movement, uh, was William F. Buckley. And the slogan of National Review was then, until now, standing athwart history yelling stop. Well, some of us don't want to stand and yell. Some of us want to actually stop it. So even their motto that they chose for themselves is a motto of impotence and inability to affect change. It's it's at, at, If that's where your goal is, like, I'm just going to stand here yelling, you can see why it's a lost cause. I know, and you know, you got out of D.C., you escaped. I mean, I escaped D.C. precisely because of what you're talking about, precisely because of all of this, because I looked at what was going on in the city and I thought, this is unsustainable. I mean, yes. in, in addition to the fact that everybody's a sociopath and an alcoholic, and let's be real, they uh, would probably trade their soul and yours if it got them further up the ladder. Of it's, it's just the worst city in the world. I mean, that's why moving to Texas, honestly, I feel like people should be getting out of their horrible blue states. We're all refugees. I'm Seriously, refugee like, from L.A., from, you're from D.C., and you're from New, New York. York. Yeah, we I are, was a refugee from the Soviet Union, now I'm a refugee again. It's I, just, it's when terrible, did you move? Though. When did you move to the United States? When I was two, but I mean, under refugee status. Right. Did your parents move? Yeah, so we So they came moved here. as refugees? Yeah. From which from which, uh, which actual, like, country, now country? Uh, it was Ukraine. Okay. You know what's crazy is Andy Noah as well. His parents came over from, from, from Vietnam, from Vietnam mm. and then he had to be a refugee again and leave Portland. It's these big cities people are having to actually leave. And that's why to people watching this that wonder, like, what is also one of the next things you could do? Honestly, conglomerating and getting into a place where people believe and think like how you think. And honestly, Texas is not as blue as people say. And from someone coming in from Los Angeles, I will tell you this. The Democrats here are a lot less insufferable than the Democrats in Los Angeles. People here are still respectful in gen general. And we still have like uh, manners. I know that could be changing in some central places in Austin, maybe some central places in Dallas. But for the most part, especially like Fort Worth, et cetera, people are still really cool. And things are changing. The tides are changing. I do want to bring up a white pill here because I always don't want to have this whole show always be negative. You know, we always want to have a kind of a cool story here. Like, I mean, but I feel like everything yeah. in the news is pretty negative. No, no, but, but we need a story about like a chicken befriending like a duck or something that would be yeah. but that duck's racist that's <laughs> <laughs> true I know it's true and then the Chinese people are going to eat the duck and then that's racist <laughs> to say that but but the point is they is eat the chickens too <laughs> and the dogs it's true Oof. I always I always can say you that. too please Seriously. You should see when Savannah, my producer, of uh, slightly offensive when she comes home, Gunther runs immediately. It's her half Asian He's self. He's like, oh god, no! It's like, don't eat half of me. No, but uh, <laughs> but it's the point is here. I think we have this article about Denmark. Do we have this graphic, Brandon? Which I don't know one? if we do about the Denmark lifting all the, all the uh, COVID uh, curbs here. Yeah, let me get it real um, quick. Yeah, so I'm, I want to get into this. We're going to bring this up on the screen. But this is uh, with no masks inside, it says here. This is from Copenhagen. Buzzing offices and concerts drawing tens of thousands. Denmark on Friday ditches vaccine passports in nightclubs, ending its last COVID curb. The vaccine passports were introduced 
In March of 2021, when Copenhagen slowly started easing restrictions, they were abolished at all venues on September 1st, except in nightclubs, where they will no longer be necessary from Friday. And this brings us up. This was due to popular pushback. People did not like this, and the government had to concede and had to remove these restrictions. So while we're seeing places like Australia mm-hmm. go further, the pushback is working. And I, I am curious... Why does it work in Denmark and not Australia? And what's interesting is like everyone, uh, Americans, especially people in, in cities, tend to view the entire world through like American lens. So it's like Republican versus Democrat. My understanding, I may be getting the countries wrong because of that whole region. Denmark has a social Democrat uh, prime minister and she came in uh, fighting immigration. So uh, in many of these countries, even though they're the left wing party, they have the space to argue for right wing ideas because there's no one to, to the right to kind of critique them. So it's kind of interesting to, when you have these parliaments that there's some a little bit more freedom for, and it's kind of counterintuitive, which are the parties that are putting forth these ideas. And when you have such slim parliamentary majorities, unlike America, where it's two parties, you do have that power with a small population to force the politicians to kind of affect change. You're seeing it right now, sorry, in Germany, where Angela Merkel's party is now in uh, like the teens, which can you imagine either Republican or Democratic Party getting like like 19 percent of the vote? It's just unimaginable. How do we get to the point where we can be like Denmark, though, Michael? Tell us. Uh, I don't want to be like Denmark. I want to be like America. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not joking. Current America? No, I want to be like America as America is supposed Mm. to be and as the America that I'm a fan of and that I fell in love with. And a lot of that is going to have to be reinvoking the spirit of 1776. Revolution is in our blood and it is our heritage. And to realize that the people in Washington uh, condemn and despise you, uh, but not as much as the people at the New York Times editorial board meetings. You know what? Yeah. And, you know, and we and we can take that back. And I I want to remind people um, in all of this that. You, you can't lose hope because, you know, in two, this year I have, I have successfully fought off the federal government. I never thought by 28 years old I would ever say would fight off the federal government. And I did. And we won and they've stayed off my back. And I'm damn happy for that as well that I'm not in prison right now. So I'm very, very or happy. Or dead. Yeah, or dead, right? I'm in two shots in the back of the head, self-inflicted suicide. But I mean, you can win. You can fight back. And what we're even seeing with the J6 stuff, which we'll talk about in future shows, uh, January 6th, the federal government lost so many of its cases, lost so many of its prosecutions. Like the federal government is an illusion, and yes. and and the power is perceived, and so that's Spoken why. Spoken like a true anarchist, yes. <laughs> and that's I did buy your book. I bought your book. I did, and I did read it, and it's good, and it's excellent. You should buy his book, one hundred percent, the Anarchist Handbook. If you are, I I love the feeling. I'm like introducing people to like booby pictures, like softcore porn. Like <laughs> just check it out. Read it for the articles. Um, <laughs> buy his book for the articles, not the center. But no, but it's. It, I would say it is a softcore porn introduction to to anarchism with the meat still in. You get into a few pages, you go further with the essays and what's happening. I encourage you to check it out. Um, his book, the Anarchist Handbook. Where can they find your book? Where can they they buy it? Where can they they follow you at anarchisthandbook.com and I'm at twitter.com Michael Malice. So it's easy enough. To nice. Remember. All right, that's awesome. Make sure that you click all of his links in the description below. Also, just so you know, I also have a podcast, if you're following this, called Slightly Offensive, which you can follow on YouTube as well and all of my social media links. And I love your show. She's so creative. They always say women aren't creative. What's your show called? Sydney Watson. (laughs) Sydney Watson from the creatively named show, Sydney Watson. I mean, the other thing that we want you to do at the end of this, obviously, when you if you've been here this long in this show, is uh, to smash that like button, as we like to say here. Uh, and you are here, take your leg off, take your shoe off, then take your hand off and just smash the leg. Yeah, take that dead duck. Take Take that that racist duck, duck, use its beak and hit the button. I mean, if you can get several of them and do it all at the same time, that's golden. That's exactly what we want. Smash the like button, subscribe. 
make sure you go over to our beautiful Michael Malice right. and uh, and support the, him. Also, exactly, also please sure. remember this too, guys. If you're watching this, please share this video, guys. Please share this video with friends and family. And also go down below right now and subscribe to our audio podcast on Apple uh, uh, Podcast, Spotify, Google Play Store, wherever you can find the audio only. And please leave that five star review. Um, I always just say it really doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us out more than you even understand by leaving those reviews. Helps get it bumped up and brings people into introductions, like with Michael Malice. And unlike my broom closet show, we actually have a budget here so we can fly people in. <laughs> and so that's really cool. Anyway, um, unfortunately for us, as we like to say here, life is a lot of bullshit. And unfortunately, you are here and so are we. We will go ahead and we'll see you Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Have a good night. Thank <laughs> you.